What's that noise? What? What noise? noise? I don't hear any beeping. My wind chimes are going, though. I don't know oh, if you can hear okay. those. That's what I'm hearing, I think. It's been, like, nonstop for days. I could take <laughs> them down, but I don't. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. How's it going? <sighs> it's been a week. Uh-oh. We're already at... <laughs> it's, it's Monday. <laughs> this, this time it's Monday. This time it's Monday. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let me tell you about the literal shit show that is my apartment complex. Kathy, you already know part of it because you saw some of the literal shit, I believe, when you were here several days ago because that cat shit is still there in the common hallway. Oh, no. Yeah. But then somebody today decided to add to it by throwing a rotten pumpkin down the stairwell. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Ew. So, yeah. So it's just disgusting out there. You're getting out just in time. Right? I know. And we're actually even thinking of trying to get out of our lease a few weeks early at this point because it's just disgusting and unsanitary. And we're like, we don't want to pay you three extra weeks of January that we're not going to need if you can't even be bothered to clean up this stuff. So I shouldn't be complaining too much about that. Well, I should. Why not complain about them? Yeah. Say, do you can it. all listen just... to me complain about my apartment. So we got a text message. Jeff and I both got a text message at like one o'clock this afternoon when we're both at work. And basically the text was like, if you're the ones that left cat poop and rotten pumpkin in the hall, we would appreciate if you'd clean it up. Thanks. And we're like, all right, well, we don't have a cat. <laughs> And we definitely don't have pumpkins. And also, <laughs> we're not assholes. So that wasn't us. Right. <laughs> Jeez. And so they knew about it. They knew about the stuff. Kathy, ask me if the apartment management has bothered to have it cleaned. Has has management bothered to have it cleaned? No. Wow. Yeah. What a shock. I wasn't expecting that answer yeah. from you. Right? I know, right? They have a cleaning crew. They have a maintenance staff. And they haven't sent anyone to clean it up. That's horrible. It's it's still out there. They know it's there. But instead of actually like putting the effort into cleaning it and then worrying about who caused it so that they know who to bill for the cleaning, they just sent a text message to all the people in the building and then did nothing, apparently. Yeah. That's even more <sighs> gross and worse than my apartment complex where they stopped cleaning up in the laundry room after it was sold and... I had to do it myself and then yeah, put a sign sucks. up saying we have to take care of ourselves because the people we're paying rent to don't give a shit. Yeah. And That's yeah. apparently the but, point we've gotten to here. Yeah. Here, I'm actually going to send you a picture of the hallway because I did take a picture of it when I got home. And this is what I had to walk through to get to my apartment. Granted, I could have gone back outside and walked around the building and gone in the other entrance. I'd parent, that would but be a giant I, pain. It would have been a pain in the butt and I didn't think about it because <laughs> i'm not that good at problem solving yeah so here's the view from inside and then also i'll just send you the trash bag hanging out the door that i saw when i pulled up to the apartment which was Ew, also <laughs> that is so much worse than it was when i was right? just there yeah i mean Ew. that happened today because it wasn't like that when i left for work and i left for work at like no, it was like quarter to ten, and it was somewhere around one o'clock that they got that they sent out those text messages to everybody. Gross. Yeah. 
So that's not helping my grumpiness, the fact that that's still there, even no. though they've had at least six hours at this point that they could have done something about it. Super gross. Yeah. I'm not okay with that. You need heavy duty something. Like somebody sprayed it with some kind of like, you know, like an all purpose cleaner at some point. And that's it. And that's clearly not good enough. Nobody, no. I can't imagine anybody that lives here even has the proper equipment to clean up that much of a mess. No, that's like a heavy duty carpet shampooing that needs to happen. Yes. Which they have that. <laughs> <laughs> they have one of those. What? Anyway. Wait, wait. Did you say, did I miss this? What's hanging on the door handle? That's the trash bag that they put the majority of the oh! pumpkin in and also some paper towels. That's a great place to leave that. Right. Sorry, sorry, sorry everyone, to just start off the episode with me <laughs> bitching, but <laughs> that's my day. That's what I came home to today after I'm work. Sorry. I was just like, seriously? That's Because when they said there was some pumpkin, I was expecting some pumpkin. I wasn't expecting the entire hallway and stairwell to yeah. just be completely covered in pumpkin. Why are there so many ostriches? The brochure said there'd only be a few ostriches. This is a terrible vacation. Rotten pumpkin, so it smells. It's gross. How's your day? (laughs) Mine was fine. I started my day with a Mr. Sullivan that we all know and love, who is Sullivan uh, P. Monster. Exactly. Sullivan P. Monster. Cullen's dog. He is very cute, and he is. I did have to put a cone. I was dog sat for the weekend, so I was hanging out with Sully all weekend. And before Colin left for his trip, he had taken Sully to the vet because he had an injury <laughs> on yes. his paw. Poor buddy. No. I had to make sure that wound stayed clean and whatnot. But he had a cone so that if, you know, things went awry or you're messing with it too much, you could put the cone on. But I was trying to give him cone-free time because, you know, yeah, animals don't them. enjoy the cone. <laughs> Dogs and cats, for that matter, hate the cone. Yeah. But in my final day yesterday, he kept ripping off his bandage, but, like, in a subtle way. Oh, no. It was... So, yesterday was really cold and windy outside. So, even for me, standing outside with that dog while he's wandering around the yard, it was just too much. So, I sat inside in Colin's dining room with the glass door closed and then just watched him. And he just sat there on the ground and stared at me (laughs) while he humped his bed (laughs) he was not humping his bed at the time he only likes to hump the bed if you're actively like looking at him and out there with him yeah yeah (laughs) but no he's just sitting there in the ground staring at me so he picked up my phone and then the next moment when i looked up he was eating something and i was like god damn it so I went out there, and instead of eating one of his toys, he had taken his bandage off and was eating the gauze inside. Ugh, which <laughs> Dogs are gross. Yeah, yeah. so I got it. <laughs> I coaxed him back in, put new bandages on, and then he's laying down on his bed in the living room, and he had been licking his very special areas, <laughs> as he does a lot, but he sure does. <laughs> apparently he transferred to his paw and took the thing off and ate the gauze again. Oh, gee. <laughs> I'm like, just, all right, well. He's such a menace. <laughs> he is. But, like, to himself? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So that, then he became Conehead for the rest of the visit, so... <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I mean, you put in the effort, but yeah. you got to do what you got to do to keep the, this dog from <laughs> damaging his own body. Yeah. 
But otherwise, he was very delightful, so cute, and he is very cute. You know, other than eating his own bandages, he's pretty well behaved. <laughs> so. He's such a doof. Yeah, he is. He really yeah. wants out of that backyard, though. That yeah. that side, that uh, the fence that abuts the street there. That's kind of surprising to me because normally dogs are pretty happy as long as you walk them on a regular basis. They don't usually try to get out of the yard, and I know Colin walks him on a regular yeah. basis. So I'm surprised that he tries to get out as much as he yeah. does. Yeah, I think with me, I hadn't walked him enough, which I also mentioned to you. But yeah. picking up his enormous poops didn't but, turn out to be a good experience. So I decided not to. Yeah, that's gross. That's why we like smaller dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, when he's out there, there's often like neighbors walking by with their dogs. And then mm-hmm. one time there was a squirrel on the fence and he was like, oh, my what? What? Oh my god! That's just the most shocking. <laughs> and even when there wasn't anything, he still kept like pacing back and forth at the fence, and like every once in a while he'd turn and look at me and whine. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, oh, I'm glad so Colin's tragic. on his way home soon. So that was my weekend, and then today was just work, which was fine. Yeah. You know who pines for Sam the way that Sully pines for Colin? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Who's that? Nareem. <laughs> Nareem, no way. He hides it so well. No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> that said, what is this fairly Nareem-centric episode that we're watching today? Unless you had anything else you wanted to talk about. No, that was it. <laughs> This was Stargate SG-1 Season 5, Episode 9, Between Two Fires. I'll just put this over here with the rest of the fire. (laughs) I gotta say, when I was watching the episode and the title showed up on the screen, I read it as Between Two Fries, as in, like, (laughs) French fries or crisps for our overseas friends, and so it just made me want French fries. Yeah. Here we go with Between Two Fries. It would be a very different episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it would. Would you like me to start with the recap? Hell yes. Fabulous. I put Nareem is Omak from Tolan, which makes no sense because Omak is a character, but that's what I put, so we'll go with it. (laughs) What primitive humans? Daniel wants to trade tech with the Tolan, but they say no. There's a big firefight on Tolana. Maybe Nareem will meet Daniel again. That's my recap. <laughs> it was Omak, though. <laughs> right? Maybe Omak will meet Daniel again. <laughs> I had just woken up when I watched this. <laughs> All right, that's fair. Yeah. Nareem, Omak, same person, apparently. Because <laughs> I said Nareem is Omak, even. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so you were telling yourself maybe that you wrote Nareem, but you meant Omak? No, I literally typed uh, Nareem is Omak from Tolan in the first sentence, oh, which okay. makes no sense. But here we are. I'm good with it. Yeah. Right. Fabulous. We're on a planet. <laughs> we are on a planet. Generally, we, are, we can be found on a planet, whether it's yes. Earth or elsewhere is the question. Yes. We are on a non-Earth planet that they call Tolana. The people who live there, I'm sure the SGC calls it P-whatever. <laughs> anyway, people are just kind of out in the open on a plaza of some sort. Yeah. There's just a handful of people in robes there gathered, surrounded by a bunch of other people that 
it turns out later we see our security folks. So I feel like if the SG-1 team weren't there, the number of security folks might outnumber the number of mourners. Yes. <laughs> Given what an ass Omak was, I'm not really Unsurprising. Not surprised, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're there because Omak has died. And I was surprised that they killed him off. Yeah. Although I guess they kill off everyone else in this episode, too, so I shouldn't be that surprised. Spoiler. Fair. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting to pick a character that we knew, but also we'd only seen the one time and nobody right. liked. Yeah, it just seemed kind of weird. Why specifically him and not just like a MacGuffin character? Any higher up that they could have just been like, oh, this higher up guy got killed. It didn't have to specifically be Omok. So I was like, did the actor die? But no, the actor didn't die. He's still alive now. I think as the audience to buy it, it makes more sense that it's at least someone that the SG team has met on screen. Mm, Fair. And there were a very limited number of Tolans that we've met. Yeah. So I guess by default, he won. (laughs) (laughs) That terrible, terrible lottery. I guess so. Nareem is delivering a eulogy for Omak, talking about the the great things he's done in his life and that he will be remembered. And among the group, in addition to Nareem, is Travel, who we saw, we have seen at least Mm -hmm. once before, maybe twice, as like sort of the leader lady. (laughs) Yeah, she was definitely in the last episode that we saw when they were using the ion cannons against the gold. Yes, yes. When That was Scar's trial? Yes. Mm. Trial. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Chlorel. Yeah. What do you think he's Chlorel. doing? He just left to never be seen again. Yeah. Is he on Abydos? Or I, with the I Abydonians? Guess. Yeah. Are they still on Abydos? I think so. I don't know. I can't. It's been so long since we've uh, seen all these old friends. Mm. Anyway, Travel goes to a monument of some kind and waves her hand over it and there's a flame. I had questions about this. (laughs) Is this area they're in, which is a very public place, is this monument thing specifically for Omak or is this where everyone has their funeral? I thought it was just for Omak, because wasn't his picture engraved on the side of it? Oh, was it? I didn't notice that. I thought so. Okay. Either that so... or I'm just seeing Tobin Bellface places. <laughs> <laughs> totally <Maybe>. normal. <laughs> Tobin Bell here, Tobin Bell there. <laughs> Don't you see him everywhere, Kathy? <laughs> I must be missing that. Oh. It must be in my left eye. <laughs> That's a joke for people who know I'm blind in one eye. <laughs> yeah. So if this is for him, do you think that, is this then a guilt monument? <laughs> there are no other monuments around. It's just this one. No, it's like a random sidewalk with just yeah. this one monument on it. We already know everyone dies. So why not say also somebody killed him? Yeah. And so are they just feeling guilty about it? So they just... Give him this big, this very public memorial. Uh, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's just so rare that people die of heart attacks that they're like, you know what? Let's memorialize him. Because they say he died of a heart attack. And I'm like, how did they not have a fix for a heart attack when they're as advanced as they are? They don't die of heart attacks and they don't die of murder. What do they die of? There's obviously only those two options. 
well, maybe they don't die. And so that's why he gets his own memorial, because he's the only one that's died since they've moved to this planet. Man, these <laughs> folks are in for a surprise. Oh, oh no. <laughs> 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 yeah maybe they don't um, maybe they've uh beaten yeah. death <laughs> until now <laughs> until now oh the group disperses sg1 is there and they stay with nareem let them know it's a nice intimate ceremony nareem explains that counselor omak only had a few very true friends and didn't want a bunch of randos there Daniel's like, well, why are we here then? <laughs> and Nareem's like, even though Omak was neither warm nor affectionate, <laughs> he had a great deal of reverence for all of you, which that was an interesting word sure. choice. Yeah. But okay. That is a very weird word choice. Travel comes over. We can't see it yet, but she has a fabulous shiny wig under there. It's a weird choice. Yeah, but it was, I don't know. It was just like so much. But anyway, she's got a hood up now. I liked her outfit. I didn't like her wig. Fair. Travel comes over and kind of thanks SG-1 for all they've done for the Tolan people. Jack's like, we appreciate what you've done for us, which she takes as a dig about how they won't share their technology. And she's like, well, maybe we can uh, have a talk about that now. Everyone is shocked. She invites them back for a visit tomorrow and then leaves. SG-1 goes with Nareem back to the Stargate, at which point Travel gestures for two of the security guards to follow them, which was super weird. Quite creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I got the impression that they were supposed to be kind of covert about it, but they definitely weren't. They sure weren't. (laughs) They were following right behind them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They walk and they talk about how they're not sure what she could be talking about. I noted at this point too that Tilk has gone native and he is wearing earth clothes to this event. Oh, I hadn't even noticed. Yeah. I was thinking, well, that kind of makes sense. I mean, he would have stuck out if he wore his like Chulak robes, I guess. But also that's what his people do. So Yeah, I guess. But does it matter? Because they're gonna stand out anyway. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, he's he's wearing he's wearing a jacket and slacks. Nareem is skeptical that the Tolans are about to offer them technology. Daniel's like, but why would she invite us back then if things were just gonna not be changed? And Nareem's like, I don't know, I'm not part of that group. They come upon the gate, which has already been opened for them. SG three quarters goes through, but Nareem asks Sam to stay behind for a moment. He takes her hands and they exchange a sort of meaningful look because Nareem has slipped something into her hands and doesn't want the security guards to notice. So Mm. they say goodbye. She goes through the gate. On the other side, she comes out and tells Jack that Nareem handed her a thing and she opens her palm and there's a tiny Nareem in her hand. (laughs) Not like an action figure. It's like a full-on mini hologram of Nareem who apparently pre-recorded a message that just says, Earth is in danger. No other information. It is not a useful message. (laughs) No. Not even remotely. 
useful. It just puts them on alert, I guess. But he could have waited till they were back the next day. Anyway. Yeah. I didn't really understand what he was trying to accomplish in doing that because he later was very opposed to giving them any additional help beyond that warning. So, like, what what exactly did he expect to happen? I don't think he thought a lot of this through. I think he yeah. definitely was in way over his head Absolutely. almost immediately yeah. and was like, oh, shit about it. Yeah. <laughs> true. Quite true. Yeah. So credits. Wow. Credits. Finally, credits. That was to make up for the short right? opening last time. <laughs> yes, yeah. It was just editing the episode and just got to the point where we were talking about how short the uh, <laughs> opening was, despite how much rambling we did in the beginning of last week's episode. Not that that's any different. I think we're doing a good job this time, too. Right, yep. yeah. That's, I think, par for the course at this point. Indeed. Back in the SGC, they're talking to Hammond about it. Hammond wants to know, well, did he give any other indication something was wrong? But nope, he didn't. Sam's like, everything was fine. <laughs> Jack adds, for a funeral. <laughs> Daniel commented on how it was strange that there were so few people there. But again, Omak was an ass. So that is not at all surprising <laughs> that there were not a lot of people there. Hammond's going to send them back the next day as originally planned. <laughs> and so nothing was accomplished by this scene. <laughs> The next day, presumably, they're back on Tulana and they're taken to Travel's office. She's there and thanks them for coming back and wants to have a little chat with them about what their next steps are. It's sad that Omak is dead, but his death can be advantageous for them because now there's less opposition to opening up some trade routes. And <gasps> she wants to give the SGC an ion cannon. I thought it was very weird that she was just pacing back and forth in front of them, talking and making minimal eye contact. I made note of that, too. <laughs> it was very weird. It was so weird. And I yeah. was trying to justify it. Like, she's, you know, lying a lot to them about things and she doesn't want to look them in the eye. But even then, she stopped for a few points and did. So it was, yeah. just, it was just weird. It was just distracting. Yeah. Because they were zoomed in on, like, Jack and Daniel the whole time. And just to see this shorter person just pacing back and forth in front of them <laughs> in and out of frame was just strange. <laughs> a strange choice. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, with Omak dead, the people on the side of giving Earth weapons outnumber the people who are opposed to giving earth weapons and they want to trade some precious trinium even though they can get their own precious trinium elsewhere travel says for whatever reason they're like well let's trade with earth instead and give them weapons in exchange and that whole line of logic made no sense no if they could get it from other places and they didn't want to give earth weapons why not just get it from the other places yep but nope they're gonna do this trade deal and then Travel starts acting shady and turns off the recording device that's in the room. Apparently, all conversations are recorded. So that's also weird and sketchy. But yep. then when all conversations are recorded and you suddenly turn it off, extra suspicious. <laughs> she just wants them to know that there's many counselors that would oppose the arrangement. And so just be careful. And we're going to say that we're trading Trinium, even though we don't need to be trading Trinium. <laughs> it was just very weird. Apparently, the SGC is still in control of the off-world Trinium mind, which I didn't even realize, but I, sure, that's well, a thing. I was wondering, if did they find 
a new Trinium source, or did they come to some sort of agreement with, uh, what's his name, the Salish god to mine theirs? I don't know. I don't know either. I was wondering exactly, because we've seen a few different Trinium mines. I was like, which one, though, are they saying that they're in control of now? Who knows? Yeah. And there was also another planet that they went to that was just a mine where they intercepted Mm. Jacob, but I thought that they were, yeah, because Jacob was there to do some subterfuge, but then they interrupted it to go have him help Oh right. Tilk and Jack, so that didn't even end up working, so it wasn't that mine. I don't know. They got a mine somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Neat. Yeah. Cool. And they're gonna trade some precious trinium for an ion cannon. One single ion cannon. Jack's happy. Yeah. Well it's big and honking, so Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Outside Sam and Tilk are sitting on a bench, waiting. Tilk is starting up a conversation with her about <laughs> Nareem's strong personal feelings for her. But before Sam can address it, Nareem shows up to meet them. I'm drinking an Imperial Stout Trooper aged in bourbon barrels that you left here, by the way. I'm drinking the non-bourbon barrel version. <gasps> Stout Trooper. I thought about drinking one of those, and then I went for this one instead. I'm saving the one bourbon one for Thanksgiving. Nice. Good call. Yeah. yeah. Good call. Upcoming. Indeed. But not, not when this is released. <laughs> no. In the past when this is released. Yes. In a couple days when we're recording. Yes. I will have thoroughly enjoyed that beer by then. Indeed. They start walking. Nareem's like, I don't know who I can trust except for you. Tilk asks if Omak had any other information about this danger to Earth, but no, <laughs> Nareem knows nothing. Helpful. He says that Omak has been under great strain, which Sam thinks maybe that's why he had a heart attack. Jack and Daniel meet them at this point to let them know that Travel has offered them an ion cannon, and Nareem is in complete disbelief about this. Quite. He's like, that's impossible. They would never do this. But Omak was the swing vote, told, Daniel tells him. And Sam's like, is this what Omak was so worried about? Nareem then recaps again that they have in the past tried to share technology to the disastrous. Did you say technology? I might have said technology. <laughs> like specifically Star Trek technology? Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. They've got transporters now that don't involve rings? E- sure. Yay. Well, I mean, the Asgard do. No, so that's why true. not yeah. why not someone else? There's so many means of getting around in this universe. It's great. Right? It is. Yeah. Very convenient. Much more convenient than real life. Yeah. Nareem takes a moment to remind us about the previous time they shared their technology. <laughs> the other world they shared it with used it to destroy themselves yeah and that's why they are the way they are he calls them primitive which everyone loves <laughs> nareem's like you know what i meant that was basically the end of that scene <laughs> pretty much the reason i bothered to recap all of what nareem said is because it was clearly a recap that didn't make it into the previously <laughs> on fair we all know this already yeah like they needed to get to a certain amount of runtime exclusive of the preview, so they took it out of the preview and added it into the <laughs> yeah, actual yeah. episode itself. Yep. 
Back in the SGC, Sam is telling everybody all about their shiny new ion cannon, except that this one ion cannon is not at all useful to them because it would only cover a small area of the planet. They can't reverse engineer it well enough to be able to produce a bunch of them to cover the entire planet. Unless they can get 38 of them, then this one is not helpful. Unless maybe the glow will just happen to attack where the one ion cannon is. That's a possibility that Sam doesn't even address. It could happen. Yeah. Right? It could. It could. You don't know. Maybe they'll put it in DC, Sam says. (laughs) But they can't really mobilize it, so they'll just have to hope for the best. The team is going to go back and try to maybe get 37 more? (laughs) Sure. Why not? Hammond makes it official by ordering them to proceed with the negotiations. Jack... Of course, stays behind to talk to Hammond and asks if he needs to be given special orders to be suspicious and skeptical, and Hammond says he wouldn't waste his time doing that. (laughs) But he does want to remind Jack that the deal could change the course of human history, so don't fuck up. No pressure. Yeah. The team go back to Tolana. Nareem comes upon them. They're being escorted by security, and Nareem's like, Travel said I should escort them, so bye-bye. (laughs) <laughs> and these guards don't question this and walk away. So Nareem is not part of this governing body, but is yeah. he some high level person anyway? I don't know. I was trying to figure out that this entire episode. What is his role exactly in the know. government? Maybe everyone's just so trusting. The security officers are like, cool. cool. Nareem's cool. He's not going to yeah, do anything. He seems fine. He, you know, wrong? he, he waits on us at our favorite coffee shop. <laughs> he makes the most amazing cappuccino art. Yeah. Yeah. He's totally trustworthy. Yeah. yeah. He has pictures up of his favorite cat, Schrodinger. Yep. Oh, oh Kathy, that yeah. reminds me. I've been wondering what happened. Oh, uh, I know. We can talk about that All later. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have my head cannon here. I do too. And it's probably the okay. same head cannon. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> anyway, Nareem wants to chat with them some more while they're headed to see Travel. Jack lets them know they're going to ask for a whole whack of space guns. And Sam is more gentle about it. Like, we understand your concern, but those could really save our asses one day. Daniel's like, you can trust us. We won't blow each other up. And Jack says, <laughs> and if we do, we won't blame you. I promise. Clearly... Humans on Earth not blowing each other up is not a promise that Daniel can make. No. (laughs) Jack may or may not be successful with his argument that they won't blame other people. But, you know, another thing that humans love is blaming each other for stuff. So for sure that that would be the case either. (laughs) We're terrible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nareem, though, is not concerned with what they're talking about. He wants to talk about Omak's health. Who doesn't want to talk about Omak's health? We all do. Right. Let's hear about it. Yeah. Nareem starts by reading his own health data, which is showing him in perfect health. Brag much? Yeah, right? Because he also inherited, apparently, everything of Omak's. He has Omak's <laughs> health records as well. Which is also weird. Who is he to Omak that he inherited <laughs> all his stuff? <laughs> I don't know. Since things seem weird and suspicious, he's done some digging around. While Omak seemingly has died of a heart attack, 
his health readings were also perfect. 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 That's right. Yeah, absolutely. They don't die. No. Except by murder. Right. Sam's like, well, sometimes you just have a heart attack. And Nareem's like, well, even if that were the case, our response times are phenomenal. And they would have been there within five minutes, but it took them over ten to get to Omak. So see what I'm saying? And they don't see what he's saying. And Jack insists (laughs) he actually say what he's saying. Which is, he thinks Omak was murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the meeting room with Daniel and Travel and Jack, they are bargaining for trinium and more ion cannons. They, in fact, have some trinium in exchange for the first ion cannon. But what if more ion cannons? 30 more ion cannons. Plus eight. Or 38. (laughs) Total. (laughs) It takes both of them to come out with that number. Uh, Jack and Daniel at their best. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Travel's going to take it back to the Curio, which is their high council. They're going to talk about giving them the extra 37 or 38 cannons that they want. They are. We get to see Nareem's house. It is very stark and very white and rather creepy and made all the more creepy by the fact <laughs> that he is greeted by a computer voice that is, in fact, <laughs> Sam's voice. She does not seem as creeped out by that fact as I would be. No, that was so creepy. I would have immediately left. Yes. I feel like it's extra creepy, too, when he's like, oh, I hoped you wouldn't have, wouldn't notice. Yeah. He, the way he says that. Right? Yeah. Ooh, buddy. Weird. No. Yeah. Apparently, they are here to try to sort through Omak's stuff and also to look through some records on the computer to see if they can... Get some kind of lead or proof about what happened with Omak and something supporting their hypothesis that he was murdered. Nareem, though, doesn't know where to start because there hasn't even been a murder on among the Tolan for so long. Nobody can even remember when the last one would have been. There's occasional crimes, like little misdemeanor type crimes, but for sure not any murder. Nareem is very upset and doesn't know what to believe anymore. All of the records for all Curia meetings are public, so it can't be anything that they talked about there. But they're going to sort through all of the records anyway, just to see what they might be able to find. All that noise is going to be fun to edit out later. (laughs) I'm so sorry. It's fine. I'll just have to keep talking really loudly the whole time without giving the chimes any time to get through. This is going to be so fun. Daniel and Jack are outside, sitting against a wall, and they... Okay. Kathy, while they were sitting outside, sitting against the wall, did you notice the weird, repetitive, fidgeting motion that Daniel was making that made it look very much like he was jerking off? (laughs) No. I did not notice that. Wow. Okay. That's why they're sitting not next to each other, so yeah. Daniel can have his fun while Jack is talking to him. <laughs> he can have his private time while Jack is facing in a different direction. Yeah. They're busy men, you know? You gotta get yeah. things in while you can. Gotta get it in where you can, right? Exactly. Yeah. They're talking about this situation, which Jack says smells worse and worse by the minute. I hope he wasn't talking about Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> You might want to get that checked out. <laughs> yes. 
Jack thinks the only way that they are going to figure out what's going on is to keep negotiating and proceeding as planned. Jack's pretty happy still about the possibility of getting his hands on these weapons. He also says at worst, some people disagree on some philosophical level that he doesn't care to understand. And Jack- <laughs> Daniel's like, well, actually worse, they killed someone. Which, Jack says, does not make any sense, which I think you've already mentioned. Yes. Maybe. There's stuff about this that doesn't make sense. Anyway. There's a lot of things about yeah, most SG-1 episodes that doesn't yes. make sense. <laughs> and in, here, in this one, they're openly discussing how it doesn't make sense. Yes. Yeah. They are planning to continue to steer heedlessly. Yeah. That's my favorite type of steering. That's how I go through yes. life. And then a guard comes to retrieve them to go see Travel again, because I guess it's time to hear whether they can get their 30 plus 8 cannons. Back in Nareem's house, we see that he is very bad at living room design, because he <laughs> put his couch right in front of the fireplace, facing away from the fireplace, but like a foot or two in front of it. When I get my house, I will for sure not be taking <laughs> furniture recommendations from Nareem. As far as placement goes. They're looking at a computer. They're going to search for ion cannons and just see what comes up. Jack and Daniel's face shows up on a screen that is presumably a security camera showing the outside. And we can also hear their voices debating whether or not they have found the right house. Daniel is very sure that this is the right house. And Jack asks him how he knows that as Nareem opens the door. And Daniel's like, because that's Nareem. (laughs) I loved how pleased Daniel looked with himself (laughs) in that scene. It was pretty great. Nareem invites them in, and they tell him what they're doing with the Curia records and going through them. Jack proudly tells them that they got all the guns that they wanted. Nareem is incredulous that they could have possibly gotten not just one, but 38 of them. And nope, it's true. They got all 38 of the ion cannons that they want. In the records, Tilk is looking at out in the hall for some reason. Instead of in the living room with everyone else, he's looking at the hallway monitor. It was weird. Yeah, there's like no seating or anything. Not that Teal would yeah, sit, but like, it's true. just, what is that? Why? I, yeah, I don't know. Why do you have two random computer monitors in your hallway and then also another one on your table? But none of them are portable. Like, no, no laptops, no tablets, nothing. They're just all embedded places. <laughs> Seems very inconvenient. Yes. Anyway, Tilk has found something interesting, that apparently two months ago there was an unscheduled test of the Tolan Ion Cannons, and Omak filed an official protest about it. Nareem says that he remembered it because he was supposed to have dinner with Omak that night, and Omak was late and also very angry at the result of the Curio meeting that had happened right beforehand. Daniel doesn't understand why that's important, and Sam says that they're just looking for some sort of difference of opinion with, between Omak and the Curia that could potentially be a motive for his murder. Nareem, meanwhile, is continuing to read on in the records and finds something that he thinks is pretty surprising because according to the record, the Curia meeting adjourned in the late afternoon, but since Omak had come there straight from the meeting and was late for dinner, Nareem knew that to not actually be the case. But since everything is recorded, how could there possibly be that much missing time? And that's when SG-1 is like, well, you know, they could turn that recorder off, right? (laughs) And Nareem is incredulous at that also because he's like, they wouldn't do that. 
That would be scandalous. Worse than murder. It would be worse than murder for them to return to turn off their recording device and mislead the people. What? But whatever happened in that missing time must be why Omak was killed. The team returns to Earth to chat with Hammond about what's going on. Hammond recaps, There seems to be an evil conspiracy among the Tolan Curia, <laughs> whose apparent goal is to give us everything we ever wanted. <laughs> that makes no sense. I can't believe what I'm hearing. Uh, I really like Hammond's take on that. Yeah. <laughs> So they speculate as to why they could be getting everything they wanted. Teal'c thinks perhaps they cannot get Precious Trinium as easily as they claim. They don't know what they're going to do with the Trinium because Travel was very coy about that. Sam suggests they could tag the first shipment of Trinium with a barely detectable radioactive isotope that they could, you know, follow then and see what's going on. And Hammond's like, yes, let's do that. Yeah. And so they do that. And then they're all in Nareem's house tracking the thing. Yeah, that was fast. It was quite fast. Some time must have passed, I feel like. I guess so. Travel apparently didn't realize that the shipment was being tracked. Or if she did, she's not letting on, they say. Nareem is very uncomfortable with everything that's going on. He says that he didn't realize that they would be involving him like this and that just knowing what they've done can get him in a lot of trouble. And Chuck's like, yeah, well, why'd you send us the message then? Which, yeah, excellent point. Because like I said before, what did Nareem expect to happen? If he sends them an ambiguous warning, obviously they're going to try to involve him for help and to get more information. All he cared about was his house voice, okay? And making sure she's okay. It's true. Very true. So he probably didn't think that out very much. Yes. According to Nareem's line of logic, telling them that their world is in danger is not the same as committing treason against his own government. Daniel's like, well, it's not really treason if your own government is murdering people and then trying to cover up. Is it? And Nareem's like, um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So they're going to break into Travel's office is the long-term solution at the end of this back and forth. They're going to do that by using Omok's scanning device because Omok would have had the access codes that he would need to bypass the security system to get into Travel's office, which is some really, really bad security that they've got going on there. <laughs> Daniel and Sam are going to go with Nareem to check out Travel's office. Teal'c and Jack are going to continue to track the precious trinium. Also, Everybody that is going into Travel's office is going to have to take some Tolan weapons with them because any Earth weapons would be deactivated by the security systems. You're all in, Nareem. Indeed. No turning back, buddy. Nope. And indeed, and here is the moment where I'm going to send you a picture. (laughs) It's not all that important. I just was amused. They're breaking into Travel's office using Omak's code or whatever, Mm -hmm. and I just sent you a photograph of my television. Did you get it? I did. I just thought Nareem looked like the devil. Because... I was going to say, why does Nareem look like he's got horns? <laughs> Who is that guy? And there's... then it took me a minute to realize it was Nareem yeah. looking like there's, he's got horns. There's some decorative item, but like, I was like, what is, why? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's not important. Weird blocking for that scene. Yeah, it was not important. It was just 
funny but entertaining <laughs> i was yes. meanwhile distracted by the fact that all of the walls were lined with curtains and i was like "Ooh, there's a design aesthetic that i should pursue <laughs> the curtains no not the curtains <laughs> nareem is able to get in using omax code convenient yes and daniel says way to go omak nareem goes to travel's desk which she also doesn't have a laptop, but she does have displays that pop out of the desk, which was kind of fun. Hmm. Yeah. It was. They're like clear plastic displays. Yeah. Nareem has basically instantly found the information that they're looking for. Very convenient. It's worse than probably anyone thought, and that is that a gold ship came and the ion cannons shot at it, and it did not do anything. Uh oh. Bad news. Mm. Nareem is again completely out of sorts about how this could possibly happen. They have no other way of defending themselves. Then Sam notices in this record that it then says the ship left peacefully, which Daniel is skeptical about. <laughs> For good reason. <laughs> yes. When does a gold ship ever leave yeah. anywhere peacefully? Nareem can't find any other records. And then Daniel's like, yes, it must have been off the record after that. <laughs> so it would so, seem. Yeah. They're reasoning, you know, the ion cannons are useless, which is why Travel is willing to give them 38. So they're going to now look into see what the trinium might be used for. Elsewhere, Jack and Tilk have found the trinium. Tilk has one of the devices that will let them walk through the wall to access it. But in order to get in there, Tilk tells Jack that they need to hold hands. And I thought that was adorable. And then yeah. Jack was an ass and it was like all reluctant and no. hesitant to do it. And I was like, holy crap, Jack, get over yourself. You're just holding hands. <laughs> yes. So they go through the wall. Tilk just doesn't even think anything of the fact that they're continuing to hold hands of course jack rips his hand away like all nervously which made me wonder why if he didn't want to be holding hands with teal he went for the full-on interlocked fingers approach yeah, to holding he, hands he because did. that's way more intimate than the alternate like you keep your fingers together version of holding hands long story short secret crush that's my conclusion yes yep <laughs> watch out sam right yeah seriously <laughs> And I could, yeah, I'll, I'll ship Jack and Teal'c. Yeah. <laughs> that would also be adorable, whatever. Yes. <laughs> they find some funky new weapons that are unlike any device that Teal'c, any Tolan device that Teal'c has previously seen. How many Tolan devices has he seen? Like, has he really seen that many more Tolan devices than anybody else? I don't think has? so. I don't think he has. <laughs> but whatever this thing is, they apparently have a lot of them here. And then we get a shot of this warehouse where there's a bunch of them and they're all very spaced out. I was confused about why it was laid out like this. It does not feel like an efficient use of space. No. Especially because I don't think like if one fell over and, spoiler alert, exploded, yeah. that the other ones would be out of its blast range. Yeah, definitely not <laughs> if this thing is at all as powerful as it is supposed to be. It yeah. was a very inefficient way to store things. Yeah. Meanwhile, Nareem and company have also discovered this weapon. They are viewing 
a test of it, it looks like, which shows a big explosion. A weapon of mass destruction, in fact, Nareem mm-hmm. says. He also then tells them that they need the trinium if they are going to use their phase shift technology in anything. So, yeah. This weapon <laughs> can just go through things, which is yeah. cool. That's Nareem... Bad. Continuing his extreme naivete, then says, This weapon is intended to replace the ion cannon in defense of our planet. It sounds like, well, no. <laughs> A Gould ship isn't just going to swing through so that you could then practice you know, your weapon. <laughs> yeah, build some new weapons. <laughs> but before they can continue that conversation, Travel comes in with security, disarms them. She and Nareem are starting to have a little, like, what are you doing face off? But then in walks Tanith, <laughs> who we knew was in that escape pod. Knew it. He's all eye flashy and cookie ish. And cookie. yeah. And he says that she's there doing what she must to preserve your world. So this was actually a really good reveal. Mm-hmm. And. One, we've seen it before, but two, I feel bad now that I read that booklet thing that totally spoiled the fact that the gold are involved in this. I totally forgot that Tanith <laughs> showed up anyway until oh. he showed up, so I was still pretty happy about it. I forgot it was Tanith, but I knew the gold were behind this. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But I was like, wow, that was Netflix, never yeah. any information, and right. the booklet, a little too much sometimes. Yeah. Jack and Tilk go back to Nareem's house, where they are met by a supermodel security guard who struts into the room like he's strutting down the runway and then strikes a pose with his weapon drawn on Jack. (laughs) It was very strange to me. (laughs) Tilk was still out of view, though, so Tilk was able to shoot the guy. There was a second guard that Jack can then turn and shoot. And so they've taken the guards out. Nareem and Sam are still in Travel's office with Tanith. Sam introduces Nareem to Daniel. <laughs> Daniel is also there and is like, are you supposed to be dead? Tanith clarifies that he left Apophis's ship in an escape pod, as we all already knew. He then also thanks them for destroying Apophis's fleet, because they did him a pretty big favor by leaving a nice little power vacuum for him to fill in. He assumes that Tilk must be around somewhere, so of course sends some people off to go and look for Tilk. And can't wait to see him and Jack again. Nareem wants to know how Travel could do this. And she says that she hasn't done anything. She and the Curia have just been acting in the interest of Tolana. And we're working with Tanith, basically in the hopes of preserving the Tolan people. But, uh-oh, turns out that that is at the expense of Earth and, like, all other planets also. Yeah, and Omak. <laughs> and also, yeah, also apparently Omak, since Omak was... Killed as a result of this. Travel says that they were just trying to keep everyone safe. Tannis says, as long as you fulfill your promise, then that will be the case. But you better fulfill your promise. Nareem and Sam have a little look. And Sam indicates the device that he is wearing on his arm. And tells him that he should use it. So he yeah. takes a running leap through the wall. <laughs> like you do. <laughs> yeah. And Travel sends some guards after him. Meanwhile, Tanith just looks on smugly. And I was just thinking how great it must be to always be as satisfied with yourself as Tanith is with himself. 
because he has the most smug of smug faces he that I have very ever seen. Smug. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he has his own wall he sits at. No, oh, maybe. And you know, feels smug. He also did take a moment to sparkle blank Sam and Daniel. So, oh, that's you know, right. That's I that's always really satisfying. Yeah, that's true. I can only imagine how great it would be to sparkle blank someone across the room. <laughs> so we're getting into this point. Obviously, I think that it is not okay for them to sacrifice the rest of the galaxy just for their mm-hmm. own planet. But I very strongly feel where Travel is coming from. Yes. Because you're not going to sacrifice your planet, your whole yeah. planet, for other people. So you could kind of understand her perspective. Yeah. yeah. Nareem, having run through the wall, is now wandering around out in the open when he's grabbed and pulled into some bushes or something. But <laughs> fortunately, it's not anybody he's not looking for. It's Teal'c and Jack. He mentions to them that... They were caught by Travel and the Gould, the Curia have entered into a bargain with. And something about the security forces going after them. But of course, Jack is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about this Gould? <laughs> Nareem's like, yeah, this Gould, Tanith. And Teal'c like, whew. His reaction, yeah, his reaction oh. face to that was great. <laughs> so good. Didn't say anything, but his face yeah, said many things. Yes. And Jack read them all and was like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. <laughs> Nareem explains about their bad ion cannons and that they are vulnerable to attack and that they've made a deal with the Gould to build weapons to save themselves. Teal lets him know they have found the weapons. They figure out that these weapons, having the phase shift technology, will go through Anything such as an iris in front of a Stargate, which Nareem has already demonstrated, you can just walk through or send your cat through (laughs) when you're testing stuff. So that's not great. Nope. Very dangerous. Back in Travel's office, she tells a guard to go use Narum's health implant to locate him. And I didn't understand why she doesn't know how to say his name since... (laughs) She's presumably known him a while. (laughs) But here we are. Yeah. The guard actually tries to protest because you're not supposed to use somebody's health implant to locate them, but she tells him to do it, so he does. Travell tells Tanith to tell his master, whoever that might be, that they're going to be making their delivery on schedule. Of course, Sam wants more information about who this master might be. And Travel's like, oh, he doesn't have a name. <laughs> and Tannis is like, no, nah, he totally has a name. But little lives like yourselves aren't going to get to know what it is. Puny human. Great. Cookie. Cookie. Um, cookie. <laughs> no, I want cookies. Yeah. I wish I had cookies. I don't have any cookies. Right? Yeah. Me neither. I do still have uh, copious goldfish, or not goldfish, copious gummy bears. Gummy bears, nice. Outside in the bushes still, I think. Yes. Jack, Teal'c, and Nareem decide they need to destroy all of the weapons. Nareem wants to know how they're going to do this, and Jack's like, you tell me. And then (laughs) Nareem's like, oh, yeah, I see. It's not easy when the fate of your planet is in your own hands. (laughs) Because we'll all die if we don't give them these weapons. Yes. Jack, though, says, I'm asking you to not destroy Earth and God knows how many other planets to save your own ass and to do the right thing. Mm. 
it's funny too to me because there's no guarantee that once they give these weapons to Tanith, that Tanith isn't just going to destroy their world anyway for hahas. Right. Yeah, exactly. I guess unless maybe he just wants them to keep making more weapons for him. Maybe. But then this was also just making me think back to the episode that we just saw with Cassie, where they were willing to sacrifice countless other people for one person. Mm. And yet here, Jack is acting all high and mighty, telling them that they can't save their own planet and sacrifice all the other planets. But they just did the exact same thing for saving Cassie and condemning (laughs) like millions of other people to die. Yeah. So a little bit hypocritical there, Jack. Yeah. They're not consistent sometimes with their reasoning on morality. (laughs) Their morality tends to shift. Morals are whatever we want them to be. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) In Travell's office, Tanith tells Travell that her time is up. But Travell's like, no, it's fine. We're going to make the delivery. Everything's fine. Tanith wants a demonstration of the technology just to make sure it works and i'm sure that everybody can guess where that demonstration is supposed to be it's of course going to be on the towery stargate how this wouldn't be seen as a violation by the asgard i don't know but and they kind of even briefly mention it but then they're like no it's fine yeah i think that later on daniel talks about it is it making it sound like it's definitely a technicality where yeah if if they don't do it literally themselves, it's fine. Sort of like with the Asgard saving that planet for the SG-1 that they assume is what happened. Gotcha. So as long as it's the Tolan that send the bomb, then it's fine. But if it is the Gould that send the bomb, then it's not fine. But if it's the yeah. Gould telling the Tolan where to send the bomb, that is also fine. Yeah. I, the Gould and the Asgard are uh <sighs> That's a playing, pretty fucked up treaty. Playing some, yeah. <laughs> bad games with their treaties here right? yeah that's stupid yeah jack and teal'c have made their way back to the cavernous warehouse full of weapons spaced far enough apart but not really far <laughs> not enough quite apart. far enough apart apparently teal'c goes to fiddle with one of them jack's like do you know what you're doing and teal'c's <laughs> like no and then a bunch of guards came out and it is pretty obvious the intent of this was to actually be captured. Yes. In Travell's office, Daniel accuses Travell of knowing what these devices were going to be used for. She's not innocent. And Sam's like, but I bet you didn't think you were going to have to pull the trigger, did you? Oh, this is when Daniel goes on to explain exactly what you just said, that the technicality in the treaty means that the gold can't send the bomb through, but they can make somebody else send the bomb through. Jack and Teal'c come in at this point, followed by a bunch of Tolan guards. So that's fun. But, you know, they're all back together again, so I guess that's what matters. The guard says they were captured trying to sabotage one of the weapons, and they had this on them. And, uh uh-oh, it was Nareem's health implant, which means that Nareem is on the loose. And they don't know where he is. Oh! Travell is very alarmed and is like, oh, crap, we got to go find Nareem because wherever he is, it can't be that he's up to any good. They head out the door. Jack tries to follow, but there's some sort of a force field up. Why they needed an extra force field in front of the door, I don't know. Why not just lock the door? Also, would that force field stop somebody from walking through the door? Maybe? No. I'm confused about how and why doors work and are a thing on this planet. Yeah. 
because Nareem then comes in and just walks through the wall to come in, even though they're all locked in there. So whatever. Yeah. So like if a force field is meant to prevent the phase shifting, it would need to be throughout the whole wall. The whole thing, not just the door. Yeah, exactly. Because like I said, Nareem just came in, even though (laughs) there was a force field in front of the door. So whatever. There's a big explosion. And the entire room shakes. I like explosions. I wish we could have gotten a little bit more of a view of the explosion, but we got to see it a little bit. It would seem that an ion cannon just blew up all the bombs. You would think that would be a much bigger explosion than it actually was. I guess maybe they were spaced far enough apart. I I guess, but then why would you characterize it as a weapon of mass destruction? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Unclear. It's destroying a tiny bit of mass. Just the tiniest bit of mass. Yeah. It's not what we think of when we think of weapons of mass destruction. (laughs) I mean, mass, mass, matter and energy can't be created or destroyed, but they figured out a way to create it to destroy a teeny tiny bit of it. (laughs) (laughs) Nareem should be more clear with his words. Yes. Maybe, uh, well, okay, so another alternative. Maybe... Maybe the explosive components of the bombs are not in them yet, although Travell did say they're ready, but... Mm. But yeah, maybe they had to arm them or something. Uh, Yeah. Could be. Could be. Anyway, that's a big-ass diversion. Sure was. And also, uh, to save them, it wasn't meant to be the diversion, but it ends up being a diversion for them to escape. Yes, because now there are people running and screaming and panicking everywhere, and it's awful. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> because the Gould have obviously realized that they're not getting their bombs and are now also shooting at all of the buildings on the planet. Yep, and those ion cannons, as we've already established, no, don't do any good against the Gould nope. anymore. <laughs> Nareem tells them to run straight to the Stargate. Sam's like, aren't you coming with us? And Nareem's like, well, I did this. I might as well stay and fight. It's the least I can do. Honorable Yeah, not wrong. <laughs> No. So Jack shakes his hand. Sam gives a moment to say, I hope this isn't goodbye. And it looks like she wants to say or do something else. But Nareem is like, get out of here. Yeah. She leaves. He just stands there as they leave. More fire rains down from the sky and a building explodes behind him. (laughs) Yeah, it's not looking too good. No. They make it back to the SGC and they're in the briefing room telling Hammond about everything that happened. And Hammond is just hoping that the ghoul did not actually manage to get any of the weapons and that they were, in fact, all destroyed. He wants to know about these new shields, but of course the ghoul don't share any technology, so they're not going to tell anybody about their ion cannon proof shields. <laughs> they're debating about who it might be that Tanith is working for. Tilk has no guesses. No one else has any guesses. And then all of a sudden, Walter comes over the intercom and says that they've got a direct transmission from a Tolan long-range communication device. So they all rush into the control room. Nareem's voice comes over the radio. It's pretty broken up. And he says something about getting people out. The Stargate was destroyed. Their defenses are failing. Their ships are attempting to escape but are being shot down. And he wants them to know that... And then the transmission is cut off. Walter says he's sorry. Transmission died. And we end the episode looking at Sam while she cries. So that's a fun ending. Crying for her creepy, creepy potential boyfriend. Right? 
Most important question, though, of the entire episode that we do not get an answer to, which I'm sure you can guess what I'm about to ask. What fate, Omaroka? If by Omaroka we mean Schrodinger, then yes. Yes. (laughs) That is what I meant. What fate, Schrodinger? What happened to the kitty? We didn't even see him at Nareem's. So where is he? He was supposed to be at Nareem's house. Okay. Here's my thought on that. One, either he's dead. Yeah. Or when he came through the iris, he never went back home with Nareem and he's happy on Earth. Oh. Okay, our headcanon is different then. Oh. My headcanon is that it is a cat named Schrodinger. So because we don't know his fate, that means he is both dead and alive. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But I like your headcanon much better that he's on Earth and he's fine. (laughs) Either way, I did try to look. We got no information about Schrodinger the cat ever again. So we, it's up to us how we want to, yeah. (laughs) have him go out yeah fair i'm gonna say fat and orange yeah probably not living with sam because i just don't think she lives a lifestyle that's conducive to pets no also he was not there at her house when we saw her house true yeah so i'm gonna say she had a friend who really wanted a ginger cat maybe he's with dr fraser and cassie we didn't see him but that doesn't mean that he wasn't there hiding in his cat that's true yeah could be Let's go with that. Yeah. I like that better. Yeah. yeah. Kathy, did you like the episode? Yes. I actually thought it was a pretty good episode. <laughs> but also, I hate that all the Tolans die at the end. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hate that so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. And But, okay, so it's awful. But it also, now we have this whole new big bad gold enemy, right? So nice. that introduced that. So I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Jack and Daniel were very funny in this episode. I actually really liked Nareem's, his naivete mm-hmm. slowly eroding throughout this episode. Yeah, it's pretty sad. It reminded me back in 2016 why I would arbitrarily oh, pick that God. year. I don't know. I don't but, know. You know. <laughs> yeah, and I think that the actor did a really good job conveying the dismay yeah. that Nareem was feeling and like the conflict. I thought that was all really good. I liked Travel's wig. That's not about liking the episode. I'm just putting it out there. I liked her wig. I liked her dress, too. I just thought her wig was distracting was all. I didn't dislike it. It was distracting. But it was just distractingly obvious that it was a wig. I thought her outfit was great, though, and I wanted her outfit. Yeah. Me, too. Yeah. It was cool. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not happy to see Tanith, but I. this means, you know, Teal is hopefully going to have a moment where he gets to murder him at some point in the future. <laughs> and despite some of the weird plot points of this episode, I just thought overall it was a good mm-hmm. story, but sad. Yeah. Yeah. Upsetting. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> yeah, I did actually really enjoy the episode. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, a lot of exciting bits. I like a good murder mystery slash political mystery so yeah i did think it was very interesting i agree that it was really sad to see nareem get continuously more and more disillusioned with what he thought his society and his government were versus the reality of what they were because he was so proud of who they were and who he was and proud of his people and so to see him reacting to this just betrayal piled upon betrayal that was happening was really sad i agree that it sucked that he and everybody else died it does teach us that 
never fall in love with Sam Carter because <laughs> that means you're going to die. <laughs> Although Jack's still alive, I guess. But Well, you know, he might be in this for Teal now. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, this is very true. And again, I would for sure ship Teal and Jack all day, so that's fine. Yeah, my biggest complaint is not knowing what happened to the kitty. Yeah. But I'm going to assume that he's fine and fat and happy somewhere. That is all I can do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, interesting and enjoyable episode. Ooh, and I do like Tanith as a bad guy. Because he's so yeah. smarmy and smirky. And I think he's a really, just a fun, fun bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. What's next? Next, we are watching... Stargate SG-1, Season 5, Episode 10, 2001. Hmm. The far future. The far future, yes. Or current day? I think it was the present then, yeah. SG-1 returns from an off-world mission, proudly announcing that they've met a highly advanced alien race willing to form an alliance with Earth. This sounds like it could be any of a number of other episodes that we've already say, seen. <laughs> this is the same old story, the same sad story they've told time and again. Yeah, the same one that we get with the alternate timeline into the future where they were making everybody sterile. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That one again. So the booklet says, A mysterious note from the future written by O'Neill. Oh. So it is the same. It is literally that episode. I'm sorry. Did you not? Yeah. I don't know. I meant that. (laughs) But we already saw that episode. Please let me finish the description. I'm sorry. A mysterious note from the future written by O'Neill is sent back to 2001 through the Stargate warning SG-1 about an unexplored planet with a sophisticated race of people who want to trade their knowledge dot 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 for domination of the universe. So I think this is just a different way for them to meet this same terrible race of people. Okay, so they get in touch with them anyway, despite the note. Yes, I think it was not on purpose. Not intentionally, but maybe they maybe they contact them or something. Yeah, cause didn't Hammond have that gate address locked out of their computer? He said he was going to, but, you know, who knows? It's a shit show over there. <laughs> well, you know, maybe Walter forgot, you know? Walter was like, I'm going to eat a sandwich right now. And by the time I finish, I'm not going to remember what you just told me. Because exactly. that's that's why I'm not out there doing things. That's I'm why back I'm here doing, still just a tech. <laughs> telling you that alarms are going off and shit. Yeah. Because I'm bad at my job. Yeah. And um. so are you, sir. <laughs> Everyone there on the base is just really bad at their job. <laughs> Anything else? No, I'm good. As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every Wednesday. Likes and reviews are very much appreciated. If you'd like to get in touch with us between episodes, you can find us on Instagram for sure. Can we be found on Twitter? That's the question. That is a good question. As of this recording, we can be. (laughs) As of this recording, you can, but my vote is no. Yeah. As soon as they lifted the ban... I can't. can't. My personal account is already gone from Twitter. I feel like a hypocrite leaving the stargazing one on there. Yeah. All right. So in light of that, (laughs) we're no longer on Twitter, I guess. Yeah. So you can find us over on Mastodon. We're at stargazing at mastodon.world, which is a mouthful, but, you know, maybe less awful. Again, we're still on Instagram. 
You can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. And you can find us on our website, which is stargatesing.space. And you get in touch with us over there. And we love our Patreon people there who helps the, keep this podcast going. You can support the show also at patreon.com slash stargatesing. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing The End. The End. Beeping? Oh yeah, there's a uh, something backing up outside. Oh wow, I'm impressed. I could hear that. I am too. It's not it doesn't seem that loud, but no. Cool that that's coming through. <laughs> yeah. Someday, someday I'm gonna have a better <laughs> office with a better recording space, and that Me someday too. will be less than two weeks now because our closing date is less than two weeks away. You're gonna get yours before mine. <laughs> True. I do not have to <laughs> wait for a brother to move out i just have to wait for the guy from mass effect to move out yeah (laughs) it's very soon yeah the guy that owns our house shares the name with a character from mass effect (laughs) it's pretty fantastic (laughs) nice